started off this morning in class with the students asking them if I would preach for less than 20 minutes today. So we'll see. Here we go. Um, Words seem really small and inadequate today. Um, But I have a word that I want to share. And it's, as I was thinking about this Sunday, thinking about this class, uh, here's the word, the question that I want us to wrestle with this morning. And it's this, how do you maintain faith as you go through change? How do you sustain your faith, grow your faith in all the places you go as you go? Change is one of those things that is a constant. And as much as we don't like that and try to resist that and try to avoid that, change is coming And rarely can it be avoided. And we feel that this morning. We feel that with these seniors and their families. We know that a year from now, change will be seen. Their lives will look different. But we also know a year from now, our lives will look different. Our families, our lives will look different in some ways, um, big or small. Change is an interesting thing. Some changes are wanted and welcomed. And some changes catch us completely off guard and are unimaginable. And most changes somewhere in between. Some changes launch us closer to God and to who we want to be. And some changes are really, really, really hard. Sometimes change forces us to do hard things that we would never want to do. And it's that kind of change, hard, life-altering change, that the prophet Jeremiah is talking about in Jeremiah 29. If you have your Bibles, go to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1. And before we read, you need to understand this. The Israelites, the Jewish people, have just gone through a change that appears absolutely catastrophic. Everything that they thought they knew and believed in is gone. In many ways, it feels like the end of their faith, their identity, their nation. If change feels like loss, it feels like they have lost everything. King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians have completely destroyed the Israelite people. Jerusalem, Solomon's temple is gone. And the Israelites have been defeated And led into exile. In Psalm 137, we get a glimpse into their psyche when the psalmist writes this. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? Or in 2022, translation for us, how can we maintain faith as we go through change? It seems like a word for us this morning, for these seniors, for us as Christians in a world that seems like it is constantly changing. How do we maintain faith, sustain faith in a world that is constantly changing? Let's read this. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 1 through 9. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisa, son of Shaphan, and to Jemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. This is what the letter said. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. There's a guy by the name of Jonathan Sachs. He's written an incredible article in Jeremiah 29. And he says that this part of Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 9, is absolutely revolutionary. And most of the time, if we're honest, uh, we don't read this part. We skip right to verse 11. And Jonathan Sachs says, actually, this part is the revolutionary part. I love this. He says, what Jeremiah wrote was massively counterintuitive. Yet it would be no exaggeration to say that it changed the course of Jewish history, perhaps even in an indirect way, that of Western civilization as a whole. Think about that. Have you ever read Jeremiah 29, 1 through 9 and got to the end and go, you know what? I think what Jeremiah said there changed the course of Western civilization as a whole. Probably not. So why does he say that? First, up until this point, God was located. What that means is up until this point, they believed that God was located in the temple. So if you had the temple, if you protected the temple, if you safeguarded the temple, God was with you. But if the temple is gone, your God is gone. And it's into this that Jeremiah says, no, God is everywhere, can be accessed anywhere, even by the waters of Babylon. This is huge, revolutionary thought. Second, up until this point, Jeremiah gets to preaching. Up until this point, it was believed that if your God was in charge, if your nation was in charge, your God was in charge. And then vice versa, if your nation was not in charge, then your God was not in charge. And so the Israelite people, their nation has been defeated and therefore they believe their God has been defeated. And Jeremiah, for the first time, says that a people could suffer defeat and their God not be defeated. He's saying that even though your nation is no longer in charge, God is still supreme. God is still sovereign. God is still in control. And even paradigm-altering, God was even behind the Babylonian conquest of Israel. This is huge. And then third, there was this belief that if Israel was destroyed, then God was breaking his promise. 
that the covenant was broken, that the word of God can no longer be trusted. And Jeremiah says, no, God is still with you. He is still faithful. The covenant has not been broken. He is with you. So seniors, if you have encountered God in this place, if you have grown in your faith at all in this place, praise God. But remember, God is not limited to this place. God is everywhere, and he is absolutely where you are going. The places you are going, he is there. It may be harder to find him there. It may look different there. You may have to look a little bit differently there. But remember, God is there. Second, you may face hardships and difficulties. That does not mean God is not still in control. That does not mean God is not still sovereign and reigns over everything. And then last, where you go, you may end up feeling like the minority. That does not mean your God is the minority. He is still in control. He is still sovereign. Remember, God is present. God is faithful. God is supreme. I want to drill down on that last one. What do you do when you go through a change that leaves you feeling like you're in the minority? How do you maintain faith when you go through a change and you feel like you're all alone or you're in the minority? Uh, maybe you graduate, you move off to a place, and at your college, a faith does not seem like a noble, intelligent pursuit to endeavor in. And you feel all alone. Or maybe you change jobs, and now it's your job. You feel like the only one who believes in King Jesus, and the only one who thinks that your job is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And you feel all alone. Or maybe... You have decided to take your faith more seriously, to entrust your life to Jesus, and you look around and no one else shares that conviction. No one else wants to take faith as seriously as you feel like you need to. How do you maintain faith when you're all alone, when you're the minority? Jonathan Sachs says there are four things we can do when we're the minority. We can accommodate. We can give in. This is the win in Rome mentality, or in our culture, win in Vegas mentality. What happens there stays there. Or in our culture, win in college mentality. That when you are there, you choose what they choose, you act like they act, you think like they think, you accommodate. This is a really, really, really powerful force. That sometimes it's a conscious decision, and sometimes just over time it's too hard to be different. And so you accommodate in how you act and you think and you live. Second thing you can do is you can resist. You can push back. You can fight. This is the win at all cost mentality. This is the end justifies the means, whatever the means may be. So fight, fight, fight. Or third, you can withdraw. You can choose. You can say it's too much in this place. I'm just going to completely withdraw I'm going to try and hide and ride this thing out. I'm going to try and insulate myself from the world at large. It's too strong. It's too dangerous. I'm just going to hide and do my own thing. And most of us choose one of those three options. We choose to either accommodate, to fight back, or to withdraw. And this is why Jeremiah 29 is so revolutionary. Because Jeremiah says, don't do any of those three. In fact, there's a fourth option. 
Be a creative minority. Instead of accommodating, stay true to who you are in Christ. Instead of fighting back, seek the peace and prosperity of the place in which you are. Instead of withdrawing, be a blessing to your city. Absolutely revolutionary. Be a creative minority. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but humans are not very good at both and. And Christians are even worse, usually. We like either or. Either this or that. We, like Jesus, comes full of grace and truth, and we pick either grace or truth. Both and is hard. And it's why what Jeremiah says is so hard. We want to either accommodate or resist withdrawal. And Jeremiah says, don't don't give in and accommodate. Don't choose resist withdrawal. Instead, choose to be a creative minority. So how do we do that? First, remember your identity. Jeremiah tells them this. He says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Every day there is a battle for your identity. And if you get it right, you get so much right. If you remember your identity is in Christ, that you are a son or daughter of God, Then you know who you are, and then you know who to obey, and who to listen to, and who to follow. But if you get it wrong, and you forget who you are in Christ, you forget that you are a son or daughter of God, then you forget who you are, and you forget who to obey, and who to listen to, and who to follow. Remember your identity in Christ. Next, pray. Pray, and pray in the, prayer in the sense of be with God. We talk about prayer like you start out with talking at God, and then talking to God, and then listening to God, and then kind of the hope of prayer is that prayer becomes this thing where you are with God. If you are going to be a creative minority, you have to learn how to be with God by the waters of Babylon. That it will seem maybe at times like God isn't there. And prayer is that thing that reminds us no matter where we are, God can be accessed. He is there. You can be with him no matter where you are. Next, we've talked about this a lot this morning, find Christian community. Jesus was absolutely a creative minority. He faced resistance almost every single day, and yet... He had community. He didn't try to do it on his own. He had community. He had 12. He had a foundation of people that were with him. If you are the minority, that means that it may be a little trickier to find people who believe in Jesus and follow him with all that you have. The majority will be a lot easier to find. Fight for it. It's worth it. We cannot do this alone. And then last, be a blessing. Use your gifts and talents to bless your city, your college, your neighbors, your community, wherever God leads you. He has given you incredible gifts and talents. Don't accommodate. Remember who you are. Don't fight back. Bring peace and prosperity. Don't withdraw. 
be a blessing to your community. A couple of years ago, I came across a man by the name of Francis Collins. He was, he's one of the greatest American scientists of the last 100 years. He has a PhD from Yale and an MD from North Carolina. He was in charge of the Human Genome Project. His research has led to lots of breakthroughs in lots of fields, but especially in the fields of cancer and cystic fibrosis. He's worked for Republican presidents and Democratic presidents, and he is a devout Christian. And as you can imagine, for most of his life, he has found himself as the minority. But instead of choosing to accommodate or to resist or to fight back or to withdraw, he has chosen to be a creative minority. And I came across a story a couple years ago that Francis Collins became good friends with the late Christopher Hitchens towards the end of Christopher Hitchens' life. Christopher Hitchens is a noted atheist, famous atheist. And Christopher Hitchens and Francis Collins became good friends. Christopher Hitchens, towards the end of his life, was diagnosed with cancer. And Francis Collins did all that he could to help his friend, Christopher Hitchens, fight his battle with cancer. Christopher Hitchens, 15 months before he died in an article in Vanity Fair, he said this about Francis Collins. He said, he is the best of the faithful, a great humanitarian, and one of the greatest living Americans. And towards the end of Hitchens' life, when he knew his end was near and he was planning his funeral, he asked Francis Collins to speak at his funeral. And so at the funeral of Christopher Hitchens, Francis Collins spoke. Now why would an atheist ask a Christian to speak at his funeral? It wasn't because he accommodated, and it wasn't because he withdrew, and it wasn't because he fought back. It was because he was a creative minority. He chose the way of Jeremiah 29. Now, most of you, I, there might be a few, but most of you will probably not go on to get your PhD and your MD. No shame in that. But you have incredible gifts and talents and personalities. Use them to bring the kingdom of earth, bring, bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Use them to be a light to your communities. Whatever you do, whether you are a nurse or whether you are an engineer or whether you are a fireman or whether you are an IT specialist or a surgical technician or you work in finance or you're a youth minister, or you work in digital entertainment, or you're an architect, use your gifts and talents to be light, to be a blessing to your community, to be Jesus on earth to your cities. Our world desperately needs it. If I could, I want to ask our elders and ministers to move to their places around the room as they move, I want to finish with this. There is a force that is pushing us to either accommodate, withdraw, or fight back. Last week with our students, we were talking about courage and shame. And Russell Moore, talking about shame, he says there's this force. There's this, and he, um, he explains it with this eight-word phrase. 
Okay, and this eight-word phrase is, you are not one of us, go away. You are not one of us, go away. And he says this, this force, obviously, scares us to death. It leads to shame. It leads to so many things. But I was thinking about it this morning. I think that force is one of the reasons why we accommodate or why we fight back or why we withdraw. We're desperately afraid to hear that phrase, you are not one of us, go away. This morning, in all the places that you go, I pray that the words of Christ would be greater in your life than those words. That you would know he is always with you. That you wouldn't accommodate, you wouldn't fight back, you wouldn't withdraw. You would be a creative minority. You would remember your identity in Christ. You would be with God in prayer wherever you are. You would find Christian community and you would be a blessing. Church this morning, if you're struggling in your faith, if you're struggling to maintain faith in the changes that life has brought to you, you have found the right place. We don't have it figured out. But we are a community committed to each other to love first and be a blessing to our city. Seniors, church, change is coming. Christ is constant. You can trust him. Remember who you are in him. Be a blessing to your communities as you go. Let's stand and sing.